All right, guys, welcome to another episode on the podcast. Have myself, Brian Gold, my co-host, Squints, and my good friend, Mr. Vince Ricci from nice Hubble Studios. Nice to meet you, Brian. Nice to fuck <laughs> off. Um, tell us a little bit. Uh, tell us a little bit about Hubble and why you started Hubble. So Hubble is a full-service photo film production company. We do everything from provide stages to from stage rentals to equipment, lighting, digital, PAs, everything. We're like a concierge for production. So if somebody comes in, they want a very high level production, whether it's Nike, Jordan, down to FITM students, you know, that need help, they would come to somewhere like us because we guide along the process. Be able to come in and where we can be involved as you need or step out as much as you need, you know, and then on the Hubble Studios, is Hubble Agency, which then will then run your campaigns, do other things for you and do that. That's like in a nutshell, mm -hmm. you know, it's like a why you would want to go stay at a full service resort in Hawaii as opposed to staying somewhere, renting an Airbnb and knowing your way, you know, that's like the uh, how much do you want of the experience? You yeah, know I mean, if you want the full experience, you stay at the Andas at Four Seasons and they provide everything. They'll book your restaurants, they'll do that. That's what we do. Why it started, uh, came out to L.A., was trying to do go in the military route, go the other route, do something all the way. You know, I was uh, friends with this young group called the Young Astronauts. They were a digital marketing production company, creative agency type of thing. They were doing everything. And then we ended up working together on a few shoots. I just went over there really to hang out because they were friends of mine from Canada. And then they were like, why don't you open a studio? We'll bring everything to you. And I'm like, fuck it. Let's look for a studio space and do it. I liked being on set. It was a lot of fun. And little by little, it kind of just took off. And it literally, literally overnight, it went from having just their clients to meeting this one, who brought this one, who Kim was one of our first independent contract shoots was with Kim with Makeup by Mario, then Mariana Grande with the original group, and then so the Disney shoot, and then one by one, it just, all these different people came in. And we did zero marketing didn't put anything behind it, just word of mouth. And I was there for every single shoot to to guide it, to go through it. And I took this real hard charge in New York City approach of being there, saying yes to everything. And then just overnight just became a thing. But you're still there today for every, every shoot. Every single day. Yeah, every single day I'm in the office. I'm next door in the creative office. So, you know, it's funny because I don't really get involved a lot of times because I have like real set etiquette. So I don't want to walk on somebody's set. Like my friends will be there, you know, whether they'll be like, oh, Mike and Miri's on set with this one, go say hi. I'm like, oh, I don't want to go bother them. Yeah, I mean, this one's on set, go say hi. I'm like, I'm not. But if something, if they need me within 30 seconds, I can walk to the next building, walk on, say, what's going on? You know, what do you guys need? If there's a problem, I go to make them happy. If there's an issue, I'll go make a budgeting to equipment to their talent didn't show up yeah just didn't show up all the working pieces that's yeah. part of uh anything had a production you know yeah is being able to step in and put out all the little fires or quell the little situations but yeah. it's cool that you take that hands-off approach now too as well and let them kind of yeah well it's their thing you know it's as much as you need me it's like raising a kid once yeah. you get to a certain level which i'll, I'll find out soon yeah. you know what i mean <laughs> well, you're, you're a couple days out. away from yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah a couple days away the biggest fight of your life my friend yeah um say hey I'm here. I'm watching. It's a there's actually a Japanese hospitality approach to things where we're 
that far enough where you still feel isolated and alone when the shadows, but we're paying attention where you, when you need us to step in, we'll step in from a service industry standpoint. And uh, I pride myself on being good at that, you know, and not intruding, yeah. you know, because you could be that guy who like goes around and smiles and shakes everybody's hand, which would probably behoove me more from a branding standpoint if I did that more. Yeah. You have a big personality. I could see you, you know, being the centralized magnet in the room of any room you step into. No, thank you. Yeah, yeah. you know what I mean. And, and if, if when you have a big personality, you have that New Yorker vibe to you that where you very take charge, and it's it's a, uh, I guess sometimes it can it can uh, yeah make other people kind of back up. So I, I I appreciate that you you know to yeah let them do their thing as well. I step back and I'm not like yo, I do have imposter syndrome a little bit from the way I grew up that. I don't always believe like I've earned that spot. I do it, so that's why I work so hard. Yeah. So also too, I'm like, ah, they don't want to see me. They're like, oh, they go to get you for you five times. I'm like, ah, that's all right. They're just being nice. You know, I don't have to go over there. You know, and like, oh, whatever the case would be. And like, Ray will be on set and bring this one in with Dom and this one or two chains is here or that one. Anybody, he just specific people. He's going. In. He's like, oh, come back, say hello to them. I'm like, ah, I'm already by the highway. He's like, the highway's two blocks away. You can turn around. I'm like, that's. Ah, I'm already on the highway. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, it's it's fine. I'm, I don't need to like they don't need to like I don't need to talk like because yeah, of course there is that level of people who are way more friendly to go conversate with a celebrity or an influencer or somebody like that. You know, what I mean, they'll come on set and do that, but it's like hey, I, I'm here if you need me, but I don't like need to come on and like it's not an ego thing. It's about. Yeah, it's being helpful that. to production and getting them what they need to to you know. Yeah, what they what they need. It would it would probably help the business more if I was more forward facing in the face of things now. You know what I mean? Cuz like there's a lot of people who know who I am from a production standpoint for Hubble, but there's a lot of people who have no idea that there's even anybody behind it. Um I'm I don't want to be the face of something, yeah. you know, not because if if it made more sense for business, I would you know what I mean? But I don't think that it always is necessary with business. But nowadays in business, I think that people need to believe in a person. People buy people. people yeah. Buy people's stories. Definitely, yeah. I, I feel that, and and especially in this uh, content creation world that we live in now, it's like, you know, people are investing into people now, not yeah. so much as brands that have no face. You know, um, people don't know Phil Knight until True Dog. Exactly. Yeah. Until somebody told you a story and made them prevalent. You know what I yeah. mean? We used to see that people hid in the shadows a little bit, but now it's the kind of the opposite route, right? Like you build a personal brand first, and then off of that, you kind of branch exactly. out and do multiple, uh, yeah. uh, a Logan Paul, <clears throat> a Jake Paul, these type of characters that come in and have a personal brand and then launch successful businesses off of their own, their own, uh, you know, their, their own platform and, and uh, platform, yeah. People committed to them. And yeah. you know, it's funny you bring up Phil Knight. I've been a Nike fan forever. Me too. Always yeah. wore Nike. There's no real reason why I was tethered to Nike. After reading Shoe Dog, seeing the journey from Blue Ribbon to the beef with Onisaka, Onisuka, his his 18 year, no, his uh, 17 year journey to taking the company public and his credit card declining the night before it went public and everything that guy did, he's constantly over overstepping adversity and, and never falling back and just always moving forward why the box is orange the BRS everything about it 
it's like I love the brand now. Yeah. I love it. Like I truly love it. And it didn't have anything to do with Jordan. Mm-hmm. And that's what I loved about the book. They left that part out. Yeah. Because Nike was not built because of Jordan. No. Yeah, you know I mean, even though I love that story separately. You know what I mean? But that was already three generations in, mm-hmm. you know, to the Jordan era and the saga. And then did you see the Air movie? No, I haven't seen it yet. I can't it, wait to see it. Unbelievable. I bet, yeah. Unbelievable. I mean, I'm a big fan of them um, producing together and, 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 you know, being on screen and stuff, you know. Yeah. They're amazing. And uh, I love when they get back to, like, you know, back to their roots, so to speak, and do yeah. things together. It's cool. Yeah, I can't wait to see it. Yeah, it's about Sonny Vancor, the guy who found Jordan. Yeah. And the story, and I've listened to him speak on other things too. And it's like he didn't give up. It was another story. Then him convincing now Phil Knight, who at this point had a publicly traded company and had an answers to the board, and his interactions about the whole situation. And then also Phil standing behind Sonny and saying, "Fuck it, let's do it. Let's. Uh, you want to put it all on one person? It's better pay off." <laughs> I mean, <laughs> and, here we are, thirty yeah. years later, and. Uh, Damn near thirty years, huh? Yeah, is it more? Yeah. It's thirty-seven years. They launched in nineteen eighty-five. Yeah, right. Yeah, and the brand's bigger than ever. Yeah, you know, I mean, he built sneaker <clears throat> culture. He built. He he changed. Actually, commodity in general. I mean, yeah. everything moves like like uh, resale now. So it's interesting the the effect that it's had. You know, the effect it had with fashion, uh, how you equate. You know, because it wasn't cool to culture. wear sportswear back then. Either. No. Definitely was maybe in the inner cities and in hip hop yeah. and things of this nature, but like sweatsuits and stuff were big. But it was a different vibe. It wasn't like it is now. It wasn't you don't wear Jordans with 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 the suits and yeah, you know, Air Force Ones and these type of things. You you just it wasn't it wasn't appropriate. Yeah. I think that there's been a globalization of fashion, definitely from street from Instagram things like that, and we all see it real time now. Yeah, they used to. Uh, it's interesting. Uh, uh, Damon John was talking about that with FUBU is that when, you know, he was in Queens and Hollis and he used to run around when LL was on tour and everybody just wanted the gear that they had back in Queens, like the stuff they were wearing, the yeah. Adidas, the suits, the things. So he would just, he knew all these cats from the neighborhood and they would let him come on tour and he would just duffel bag up a bunch of stuff from, from, from the neighborhood and bring it to all these shows and he'd be selling it. And that's how he kind of got his start before he yeah. built the brand or came up with these caps that he had like a little tie cap beanie was his first product, yeah. you know? And, uh, but that was the thing is that everybody wanted that culture because you couldn't, you had to see it real time. Yeah. You didn't, it didn't travel like it does now. Now we get, you Instagram, get everything we see. So the guys in Nebraska are wearing new balance when new balance are hot or <laughs> this one, this is hot. Cause they see what the tastemakers are moving on and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. It is interesting the way things have changed. It's funny how he did that. I feel like the modern day guy was doing that. Uh, you know Sean Neff? Yeah. You know Neff Beanies? Mm-hmm. You know Sean? Yeah, yeah. What he did for Neff Beanies to Sunbum to to Moon Now and everything else, like he's like a guy the guy I looked up to. Mm-hmm. You know, like was like, wow, this guy's doing it. And we worked with him through Hubble a lot. And it's funny how you go full circle. Uh, I ran into a, a girl that we shot with. Uh, model on set she was super cool friendly and I didn't know what else she did I seen her in the gym recently maybe like six months ago and she's like hey what's going on I actually spoke to my friend that runs a bunch of stuff for Sean I was asking for a job and she said well you know Sean's not doing anything new right now we, we pretty much all set with people but you know who's doing a lot is that guy Vincent Hubble you should go talk to him he's like working for Sean and I was like wow 
I looked up to this guy for so long, you know, and thought like, wow, like I would like to do what he does. He goes in and makes brands better. He can launch brands. He could he could sell a product, whether it's a hat, toothpaste, mm-hmm. suntan lotion, fashion. He he knows every. He's the guy is. Yes, he's in it. He's got his finger on the pulse. Yeah, you know, he could see creatively through it through like what we talked about before of like. Uh, why somebody else will choose that they don't know why he knows why you're choosing it he's now subliminal branding and and, yeah. and tones that that take a uh, hermes with the orange exactly you know, exactly people don't know that story of why they, they did that you know no i don't know tell me it's a i think that was the only thing left i think it had to do with the with world war ii and like that was the only thing they had access to was that orange box Oh yeah, and they made it synonymous with the brand, and that's kind of what it played off of. I could be wrong with the way I'm wording it, but I, I just read about it recently, actually. So that was kind of like, kind of happened. But now, like you know, business moves off of subliminal marketing and branding, and and we are not even aware of why we're attracted to red and food or blue and other and other products and things. Yeah, it's, it's cool that people are science, science scientifically breaking it down now to our, our you know why these hit our dopamine receptors and, and why not exactly and how you associate those things and, and uh, also to creating something that's aspirational mm-hmm. um, everybody aspires to want to have Hermes to the top level of a Birkin mm-hmm. yeah I mean it's like the ideal woman thing to yep. carry Birkin yeah I mean it's like the epitome of it and with the coffee company they when I came into the company their main logo had a coral color but there was no Pantone behind it. They didn't really have a, you know, a brand bible. So I said, you know, I'm going to shift this to the Hermes Orange. It was a 2019 Pantone of the Year, super popular. It's aspirational. Uh, craft coffee is a thing right now. Everybody wants to be a coffee connoisseur mm-hmm. at sorts. And uh, let's shift to this. I said, oh, well, this is going to make sense. I said, no, it's it's two different things. It's fashion and this, but it's aspirational. People see this. It feels rich. It feels worthy of I won't put this on my shelf I actually wouldn't mind looking at it I'll actually leave it out on my counter mm-hmm. it's the same $19 or $16 bag of coffee but the you value you have value. yeah the value you have and you want to fulfill that in somebody so when you sell them a product are we fulfilling a need and in storybook brand they talk about that how do you mm-hmm. how do you fulfill a need are they are they surviving are they thriving you know is this a survival thing that we're selling to that they need this or are they fulfilling this thriving aspect of life that I want to feel happy with buying this and I put it out there and I drink out of this mug and I feel a little better when I drink out of this mug because it feels rich. You know what I mean? I had this Hermes mug on my counter that someone bought me, put it in. I didn't even know it was an Hermes mug. And finally I looked at it and Roy was like, I didn't know you had Hermes mugs. I said, I don't got any Hermes mugs. He's like, this is an Hermes mug, you maniac. Look at it. It says at the bottom. I said, where do we get these, Carla? She's like, Tina bought you those for a Christmas gift. I said, Wow. I said, <laughs> I'm only drinking coffee at Hermes mug going forward. I was like, you, you try to make a coffee? I was like, dude, it's a joke, you yeah. know? And every time I drink that, I look at it, I said, nice fucking mug. <laughs> Even if I buy myself, you know? Yeah. And I understand how that's manufactured, yeah. and I still buy into it. Mm-hmm. You know, I got a Ninth Street coffee t-shirt that I bought 10 years ago in New York. It's a great t-shirt. Fits me great. Look jacked in it. You know, I feel good when I wear it. If I never bought that shirt, Ninth Street Coffee, it would have been a coffee shop that I bought, walked away, and forgot about before I even walked away from the stand. But I'm still tethered to that company because I put that shirt on. Yeah. I've wore that shirt at the Craig's. I've wore that shirt out. I've wore that with a suit jacket. 
Yeah, I mean, I've literally wore that shirt so much. One of my favorite shirts. Walking billboard done well. I'm a walking billboard. Mm -hmm. If you can convince somebody to buy your merchandise and wear it, they are a diehard fan of that company yeah. for life. The value of that company just skyrockets. Especially when it's done well. When somebody takes yeah. the time to think about it, like you said, because you feel good wearing it. Yeah. Because of the cut of the shirt it was, because of who you are. Um, we used to do that at the shop. Um, I ran a, a dispensary, Green Dragon, here in North Hollywood. I know exactly where and, it was. Uh, yeah. uh, so we would see that, like, even when I came to the company, um, they had like three, four shirts before that, like old history back in the Prop 215 days. They were just a logo and the name and the thing on the back with the phone number and stuff. But as the brand evolved and got bigger and uh, you would see people like the, the originals that would come in in these old iterations of our branded shirts. And these guys wore it for years, bro. Five, six years, seven years, eight years down the road. They're still wearing the same shirt with the name of the shop, with the address, with the phone number. Yeah. As a walking billboard for eight years not only does that but he speaks well of it and they and they and they love it you know what i mean you can't pay for better marketing than that sure what did that what did that shirt cost it cost 12 dollars to make probably yep. and this yeah. guy wore it for eight years on and off yeah maybe once a week maybe twice a week you don't even know you yeah. know what i mean walking around the city you can't you can't buy that it's no, priceless it's priceless it's priceless and, that, and that's creating a culture mm -hmm. that's creating a belief people want to stand behind something they want to believe in something it's almost as as culturally relevant as a religion they they believe in that as part of who they are as an identity you know what i mean i'm i'm like i'm just as much of an italian american i believe in those things as much as i'm a from the born and raised in the Bronx, so Italian American, these are all little attributes that uh, kind of make up amassed into who I am as yeah. a person. And then you add in Hubble, and then you add in Trina's kids, and then you add in all these little pieces that add up. And as a consumer, too, you know, I'm a, also a blue bottle drinker. I, mm -hmm. I love blue bottle coffee. I've been around it since the beginning. Uh, the third coffee shop was downtown. And I've been going there since the beginning. I like their cold brew as well. Yeah. What about Blue Bottle are you attracted to or that brought you in? Um, really? You want to know the, the real story? And this is this is 100% truth. Um, I first saw it in San Francisco. Yeah. And I, exactly. and I got attracted to it walking in and seeing them pour the drip. Yeah. Was the first time I had seen that. And it was one of the nicer locations downtown there. And uh, so I was like, I'm a coffee guy. But right away I was like, oh, this is different. This is cool. Let yeah. me check it out. You want me to tell you the, the real reason? I mean, there's a lot of reasons why I love Blue Bottle Coffee. I love their cups. Yeah. I drink iced coffee, great. and I love that it's in a paper cup and not a plastic cup. Yeah. I love the way it feels. I It's the only place that I don't use a straw when I drink iced coffee, which is weird. I saw your cup over there. You had it. Where is it? Yeah. It's right here. There's some thoughtful, yeah. yeah. There's some thoughtful branding. Everything behind the branding, but the real reason why I like it was um, behind how they train the baristas. Mm -hmm. So... There's a lot of things I like about Starbucks, but I don't really shop at Starbucks unless I have to. Um, but Blue Bottle Coffee, the way they train up their baristas, they really care about the service. And they give them the bandwidth to be able to make decisions when it comes to them. And they give them free drink cards that they can give out to certain customers. So it was March 11th, 2020. Already a huge Blue Bottle fan. Father just passed away. Go to the hospital. I take his cross off him. Go to the funeral home, deal with it, because I just had to bury my mother. So I knew what to do. You know what I mean? I said, all right, this is just boom, boom, boom. I'll get through this. Two o'clock in the afternoon now, I'm like, all right. There wasn't much to do. You know, and the funeral was on a Thursday. That was a Tuesday, if I'm not mistaken. And I go to Blue Bottle. 
I'm going to go to the gym. And I said, let me go to Blue Bottle and sit there. Now, it's a winter time in New York. I go to 73rd and Amsterdam Avenue into Blue Bottle. Had a big jacket on. And there's a one-corner seat that is probably the least, most appeasing, the least, most... Uh, you not want to sit in the seat. It's facing the corner. It's by the garbage. People are throwing the garbage out. Actually, it's on the side of the cooler. But that day, that's the seat I wanted to sit in. And it was only seat open, thank God. And I faced the wall, and I just sat there. And I, it was the first time I had the chance to unwind yeah. and really process what's happening. And, you know, It's a big moment in your life. Yeah. Everybody's life, losing a parent. Oh, it's, you know, and I didn't, and I had just started to process the grief for my mother right before my father got sick, and then boom, he died five weeks later. And it's like, I got to deal with this now. And I walked into Blue Bottle, got the coffee, sat down, and someone taps me on the shoulder just as this overwhelming feeling hit me of like, damn, it's over. Like, it's over. And this kid taps me on the shoulder. He was a barista. He said, hey, man, just want to give you these. And there was a stack of free drink cards. And didn't tell him what happened. Didn't know what happened. And... I looked at him straight up and I said, uh, you have no idea how much this means to me. And I felt like it was God telling me everything's gonna be okay. You know what I mean? People care, even though they don't. But the thing is, if I was in Starbucks, and not taken away from Starbucks, I think Starbucks great in other ways, he wouldn't have the ability to do that. You know, they wouldn't have gave that barista the ability no. to, to go take care of me the way he did. You know, it took me over a year to go back and tell that kid what he meant to me. And when I went back to tell him, the day I told him was the anniversary of his dad dying. Wow. And he came and gave me a hug. That's and bro. That's and yeah. it said it meant so much to him, me telling him that story. And I said, yeah, I think about you all the time. And I came in here a few times trying to tell you and I couldn't have the balls to say it. <laughs> and finally I had the thing, I'll think about that guy for the rest of my life, you know? And Blue Bottle, because of that, meant so much to me. And it meant so much to me because I, I just wanted to go have a cup of coffee and relax. And the fact that they treated me like that and showed me I was a valued customer, well, I'll be a Blue Bottle fan for the rest of my life. I own another coffee company. I still go to Blue Bottle. You know, yeah. and, I, and I still, and I love the guy. And I've met him before, the owner. And, I, and he took a picture of my dog, you know, whatever. But <laughs> he don't even know that I know. Yeah. And, and how much I believe in that company. But you got a diehard person for life. And I'll tell that story till I'm dead. And that's how much I believe in that company. And if I could do that for somebody else, and then we'll be successful as a company. If yeah. I could implement that feeling into somebody else and that, that goodwill and that belief that it's just a somebody cup of coffee yeah. with, a, with a paper cup, with a little blue bottle. And every time I think about it, I think about that day that kid gave me that. It just makes me feel a little more connected and a little better about myself. Yeah, it goes you know? a long way. Tell us about your coffee company. Uh, it's called Cremota Coffee. It, uh, these two influencers, Heath, Hussar, and Zane, uh, had started it. They're part of the vlog squad. And they launched the company. They did great. Had huge sales. Kylie Jenner posted like eight times on a story. All these other people posted. It was, it was huge. Um, they have a strong following. They have a coffee drinking following. They have a podcast called Unfiltered. They do great. Launched it, and then they had relied on their business manager at the time to manage the company. And I think that his intentions were great. I just don't think he understood yeah. the ordering process, terms, negotiation, scaling the company. This thing getting, not just marketing. It's yeah, it's, it's, there's a lot that goes into yeah. it. You, we, both, we all know here. And 
kind of ran the company into some debt, didn't manage some of the relationships well, filming shut down, this shut down, they had to shut down the company after five and a half weeks, five and a half months. I came in five months later, renegotiated, signed personal guarantees for all the debt, took over, rebranded the company, really created a structure, expanded on the product line, did it, that was 21 months ago. We're doing great. Um, and now it's, you had the interesting point where like, you know, just posting about it doesn't get you anywhere. So now it's like, where do we go from here? How, how, what's the next step? And it's also an interesting point for me because I'm 37 years old. I feel like I'm just scratching the surface of figuring it out. You know, I share books with this guy all the time and what to read and what to do. And like we talked about, you know, I could either listen to music in the car or listen to an audio book. Yeah. And we're at know, that point in our life where it makes more sense to to uh, fuel the you know, brain. invest in ourselves and, and yeah. power ourselves a little bit into, you know, something more positive. Exactly. And it's what's next, you what's know, next? and yeah. what's next? It's funny. I wanted to call this show. What's next? Because yeah. <laughs> we're going to do a business podcast. But that's how my mind thinks. You know, that that video of Puffy when he hangs up the phone and he just closed some deal and he's sitting there in his office. He's like, I love you, thank you. And he gets it and he says, I'm a monster. Anybody, anything anybody can't do, I'm gonna do. Yeah. What's next? That's yeah. like, I love that, bro. That energy is like, it fuels me to be like, okay, cool. This is what gets me up every day and makes me keep going forward. It's like, let's go, let's, yeah. let's do something else. What's next? I had closed on a, a commercial deal nine years ago. It was the first big deal I did, like multi-million dollar real estate deal. And my sister started doing mortgages to help me but she was a finance director of a company and she stepped in to help formulate it. We had to put this big business proposal together, all this blah, blah, blah. Finally close. As we're on the phone, she's like, they signed, done, it's done. Consider it done, you got it, you're fully approved, everything. I said, all right, they said, what's up with these federal loans, you know? Just like, how do all these people get these things to like 3% down or whatever? I said, why don't we try to entertain one of them? And she goes, you just fucking closed the deal now. <laughs> and she called a friend of mine and goes, my fucking brother, doesn't even say thank you. Doesn't say nothing. <laughs> what's going on with these, how do we buy some houses somewhere else? You know what I mean? Like I know some way we could do it. You know, might as well take advantage of it now if we can. And he goes, that's your brother. He. You know, and it, it comes down to it's not that I'm not appreciative of what she did or, or what went on, because if I wouldn't be able to do it without her, you know. But I'm not going to sit here and celebrate what we just closed. The, the venture, the adventure was the fun, the 144-page business yeah. proposal. That's a big proposal. That's the magic. Yeah, though. exactly. And we that, talk about that a lot. Find the magic in the process, because yeah, it, the feeling's gone as soon as it is done. The finish you close a deal, it's done, and it's. It is. It's, you can either it's be like, right. "Fuck, I don't know what to do now," or, "Yeah, let's go." What's yeah, next? let's let's keep going. Let's let's figure out a way to work together. Yeah. You know, <clears throat> Brian pitched me on this uh, gay on gay adult film company, and I was like, "Nah, it's not really my thing." But that's his thing. You know, <laughs> not joking. <laughs> but this guy, no. But it, it really comes down to what's next. Yeah. And being a father, and now, yeah, I'm about to join the group with you guys yeah. about being a dad, and like. That's the next perspective for you, bro, because that alters. It's going to change your it thought alters process. Your reality forever, because now something outside of yourself is more important than yourself. Yeah. You'll you'll know that the moment the moment that you see him or her. You have a boy or a girl, you know. Girl. A girl. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Even better for a father. Yeah. Um. I have three girls, one boy. But the moment that you you realize that it might not happen instantaneously, but over the first couple of months, you'll see that like, okay, I have. 
you know, somebody to be a role model for, somebody to be a caretaker for, you, you see that now you have a, a different perception of value. It'll honestly give you perspective into some of your other friends that have kids that maybe, you know, you didn't, uh, it, it only clicks once you're there, you know what I mean? So it's, yeah. a, it's the biggest blessing that we can ever have is to, to understand that there's something outside of us that's more important than us. It gives us uh, our relationship with knowing that, you know, there is a, a, a a system there you know there's a higher power there's a, there's a way you know yeah. what i mean and i think that like they teach us so much bro by yeah. doing, by doing so little little that's the beauty of it you know yeah and it's good that you're at an age now and comfortable because i started young and it's it's a lot as a young parent to like be uh be coming into adulthood and and trying to raise a child as well is it's a very challenging situation you know yeah i think that you know, I went through a lot and there's a lot of different scenarios and I'm at a point now where it's like, you know, I'm CEO of a company, I have a fiduciary duty to do the right thing. CEO of another company, I have a fiduciary duty to the investors, the people, other people in the company. And, and I pride myself on doing the right thing, you know, and, and making good decisions. And now I have ethical and moral obligation as a father to raise a good woman, mm -hmm. you know, and, and like we talked about these day and age. And be a role model because you're her first male. Yeah. You're going to set the tone for every male relationship she has going forward. Oh, she's going to have a hard time. <laughs> she's going to have a hard time finding somebody else that's going to... Well, they're going to have things. a hard time yeah. living up to you. Yeah, exactly. You know what I mean? Which is great. And it, and it comes down to like what we talked about in, in, in modern society of people are so entitled. They don't want to work. You yeah. know, it's so hard. So how do we raise good little humans, good little yeah. productive humans and raise a real woman like... The ways you're gonna wave the way you're gonna raise Madison to be a strong woman that what? you know makes men hold up to those obligations of being men, you know to do the right thing, open the door, do this, and if they if they don't get that treatment, they gotta accept that this person is not for them, you yeah. know, and not settle. They deserve more. They we deserve set that more. tone also. Yeah. Let's go down the the road that you were just uh, touching on real quick of the the struggle to find quality employees these days running a business. Oh, it's a, a it's a lot. Talk about the struggle. Uh, this generation is doesn't come from the same values that we have, you know, where I took pride in any position I had, whether I was sweeping floors or uh, extra or a leading role like you, you had to come to work with that, you know, the, the work harder, work longer, say yes, to, you know, take pride in whatever it is you're doing. It might yeah. not be the end all be all. I can see kids behind a register now at a at a retail and know like. Nobody wants to be behind the register at a retail, but that's a step into whatever direction, right? Yeah. It's hard. You don't see them taking pride in the position that's in front of them day to day anymore. No, they can't. They don't know how to work hard. They feel entitled. They feel like, oh, we deserve a break. I had a night manager not that long ago. Well, it's, it, was, it was a 12-hour day, and you know, I was giving them time off. I said, this is production. Most production is 12 hours. You know, like, that's the start. You know, he's like... Well, we're working equipment. I said, in production equipment. Like, are you, are you serious with that statement? You know what I mean? And you guys, you were sleeping. I watched back the cameras. Well, I'm not going to watch these cameras. I said, well, I'm watching them. <laughs> so what do you mean you're not going to watch them? We're going to review what happened this day. You had six people here with you. You were sleeping. You literally fell asleep sitting there. Rafa is sleeping. And I'm like, do you not realize this is crazy? I'm paying overtime at this point, And you guys are sleeping. Multiple people. Well, I was giving him a break to sleep. Like, guy's 23 years old. 
he should be able to work like 48 hour shifts if he wants. I mean, <laughs> not saying that that's what we want, but what the hell happened? Yeah. You know, what happened from when we were younger? What happened now? to just starting with an apology? Yeah, saying, yo, my bad. Accepting the fact that, yo, we fucked up. Yeah. We fell asleep. We had a long one. Whatever. Just own it and move on. You know, I, I think that that in itself is kind of a hard a hard topic because I feel like the youth looks for an an excuse or a cop out or why that it's okay for them to be acting in a certain direction and not really just owning the fact that you know I fucked up my bad next. Yeah, well, being able to say I'm sorry and also forgiving people for doing you wrong and things like that is uh, so overrated nowadays. Like people just don't do it. You know, and my father taught me when I was younger. You got to be able to forgive people because you're going to want to be forgiven in life. So you got to learn how to forgive, and you have to. A real man can say, "I'm sorry." You know what I mean? If you fuck up, just say you're sorry. It's super you own simple. It. Yeah, yeah, own own it. But uh, I didn't expect that to happen. I don't even have an explanation for you, maybe. But yeah. it happened. I did it. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Yeah, without making an excuse. I understand how you feel about it. Yeah, because I can put myself in your shoes at this moment and know that you, you know, that is different too. You know, we used to be able yep. to like rationalize with you know power structure and how other people are viewing a situation it's uh it's interesting how do you how do you find quality people these days uh i feel like you know i have a very interesting background and we can get into and uh it, it led me to have to discern fast on the spot what is his attention to this person so i feel like i do very well at interviewing but at the same time too I give a lot of people more opportunity than they should. And I'm learning how to pull back on that and making decisions based on the company and not emotionally, you know, uh, because I'm trying to invest into a person, even though, you know, some people just aren't meant to be that and letting them go would actually be the better thing for them. But uh, looking at them from the start and doing a good interview process and then training, you know, I don't expect much from people right off the bat, but they got to be invested. They got to be someone invested. And then the training process of saying, if you have a question, call me. I'm an open book. You can call me. Don't waste my time with nonsense questions. And assessing, do they make the same mistake five times and realizing they're just not going to prevail? Or if they're making mistakes, just let it be different mistakes. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm not expecting you to know everything right off the bat, but make different mistakes. I don't, don't mind when same. people take initiative and make mistakes. Oh, no, I love to see that. You know? Yeah. Try. Yeah. At least try. If I'm giving you direct instructions and you're making mistakes on things I just told you, like checklist, there's a problem. It's a problem. But if you're going outside of yourself to to try to to troubleshoot yourself or do something, then I can adjust with that and 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 be like, well, at least they're taking initiative to try yeah. to to grow or step outside of themselves. Or if someone has a problem, my thing was bring me three solutions to the problem. I don't want to have to solve your problem every time. And if you keep repeating that over time, usually. They start figuring out the shit. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think that's that's a great point. Like, problem solve first. What do you think could happen? And then or I'll give you a solution and figure out my methodology behind it. Start to replicate what would Vince do? How would he handle the situation? I'm partners with a guy, Mark Tung, and uh, he had a conversation with somebody recently. He said, we, we talked on the plane the whole time. We landed and said, we have a new saying, what would Vince do? Because he doesn't end the day without saying, all right, this is the direction we're going to go. And at least we're moving in a, in a direction. You know, we have to try something. And at the end of the day, we are the owners of the company, so we take full responsibility for what happens. But I have no problem taking responsibility. You know, and if I tell people, yeah, go in this direction. Don't worry about it. Just follow my lead. Even if it breaks, the place goes on fire, we'll figure it out. 
Mm-hmm. You know, we got sprinklers for a reason. Yeah. Yeah. You know? <laughs> it's, and it's the truth. If, if you're... But you're headed in a direction. You're heading in a direction. And Stopping you can't stand be stagnant. Yeah. Yeah. And, and in today's age and today's economy and we have no idea where the world's going to go. It is hard. It's getting super hard. It's scary building something and knowing that it, it's been a it's been a rough couple of years. So, you have a lot going on, and you're very, uh, you know, very involved, and it's very time consuming. Do you, does it ever worry you because you're building something that you don't know, you don't know what's going to come next, right? I feel like because I've had I've amassed a certain amount of life experiences. The things that used to worry me are different, different now. Once you start burying people, yeah, you realize there's things you can't come back from. Yeah, you know, and, and business decisions. As long as we do things ethically and do integrity, you know, sometimes telling people to go f off, or you know, telling someone they're not fit for their job, it may be mean or harsh at the time, and you may feel bad about it for a minute, but it's not that bad, mm-hmm. you know. That's that was business. Yeah, that's it just business. Be, that that's be business. About things. Yeah, I'm yeah. I'm here to do business, but. You know, I'm not taking that much big risk with other people's money. I'm not doing things. So I could pretty much put my head to the pillow and go to sleep at night. And I'm concerned. You know, I've got a winning lottery ticket. Yeah. You know, I've got a trust fund. I'm always concerned, but I love it. Yeah. I want to be in the game. Yeah. I put me in. I want the ball. I want to play. Let me make the decision because under pressure, I'd rather take the shot. If we lose, boo for me. I don't care. If we win, let the team take the celebration. But at the end of the day, no matter what, I love the game. Yeah, me too. And you got to be built for it. You got to be in it to be built for it. The thrill is in the game. It's not for everybody. You can't teach hustle, bro. Yeah, no. you can't it's teach tough. it. I've tried. I've tried. And and you see, like, you know, uh, you just don't know who's going to be the guy. You know, the guy that ran. It's interesting. The guy that's running Green Dragon now. What's the guy's name? His name is Ricky. Um, but he was our he was our security guard, bro. Wasn't that guy Adam that thing. was in Green Dragon? Adam? Yeah. Mm. Also. No, Manny and Ed were the were the owners. I think I met him at Manny. Yeah, you probably met. Oh, Manny. I know Manny. You know Manny. I know Manny yeah. actually well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so anyway, but 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 this guy, there was five people behind me in line that I would have picked to have my spot after I left before, but the kid that ends up in that position, is the kid that just said, yeah, okay, I can do that. You know what I mean? He was literally. We picked him up because there was a trap shot across the street from us, and he would be out there. We'd go to the liquor store, and this fool would be out there sweeping the street, bro. It's Sherman Way and fucking Varna. It's like it's gonna stay. It's the same Green Dragon that I've been yeah, to. Yeah, yeah, and it's just he's just sweeping with a fucking push broom, and we're like, damn, this kid's a winner, dog. Like he's like he's on it, you know. Yeah. So eventually, we, we we get the kid to come work for us. The trap shop closes down. He's just a security guard sitting on a stool telling people where to park. Not arm, nothing. He's just a, a regular a regular guy, you know? But he just says yes to everything. And then, you know, he ends up bud tending, then doing this, learns how to do every position. Now he's managing the joint. Yeah. You know what I mean? He's like, ah, I would just think, what, what would Chauncey do in this situation? And I'd just go do it. You yeah. know? He's not necessarily the, the... He's not who you would think would end up in that job, but he's just the guy that's, I'm going to do it. That's it, yeah. you know? It's interesting that you don't know who's going who's gonna to have it or who's going to elevate in a certain thing. And, and, you know, people rise to the occasion. And, and you, you know what's funny? I had a kid, same same situation. He was living in Columbia with his father. And he, his sister worked for me, he came in. He, I just put him in the stock room because the kid was six foot four, doofy, would stare at me, kind of freak me out a little bit. <laughs> and I was like, put him in the fucking stock room and get him away from me because I can't take this kid. 
and but he was he knew what everything was i called where's the white ribbon for the balance logo on it it's in this third thing down and it was, he knew where everything was i said well i took a lot of pride in it slowly moved him up slowly moved up three and a half years late three and a half years later now he's doing his own thing uh still talk to him every day and i told him you know you want to be a boss because he asked me he said oh you know i feel like when i was trying to be a boss for a little bit you kind of didn't want to keep pushing me forward i said well you know the things that you were messing up on at this point, this higher level being attached to me, was detrimental to me. I said, and I had to kind of pull it back from you a little bit. You know, you, you're going to raise, you're going to have a certain acceleration of velocity and it might slow down. And if I'm giving you more stuff that exceeded the speed you were going at, you couldn't handle it, you got you to pull back. And I had to pull back. So I, I sent him on his way to do his own thing. And mutual decision. And I'm still here for the guy. I talk to him all the time. He's like my fucking son slash little brother. But he's learning now. You got to make decisions on your own. He's running his own little grow. He's doing his own thing. But being a boss is not for everybody. No, it's not. No. You know, it's really not for everybody. No. We all know that. It is a 24-7 thing. It's a very small percentage of people that can, that can do it, you know? Yeah. I had a, a deal I made recently with a designer that asked me for help with something and sent me a minute and a half voice note. Well, a minute and then a half, 30 seconds, doesn't matter. And I read it, I didn't re- I didn't listen to it because I wasn't ready to listen to it. And three hours later, I listened to it and I just wrote back, LOL, I got you, I'll take care of it. And then she snapped that and sent it to somebody and said, that's a real boss. He's a real boss. She told me about it after because I, I, I needed her to help me with something. So I said, oh, well, we'll just work out a deal. You know, I'll do that for you, you do that for me, so cool. And she said, that, that's a man. That's a yeah. boss. You know, he just simply said that. And I said, she goes, I actually got nervous when you didn't respond. And I said, no, I didn't listen to the note because I didn't have time to listen to it. And then when I listened to it, I just said, sure, I'll handle your product. It's a, producing something for yeah. me. But for me, this is what I do every day. I can yeah, do yeah, it. Yeah. And then you're loyal to me. Mm-hmm. And then now you are allies. But we will be allies going forward. And if you, if I try to do something with you, I need your service. And you're like, oh, well, uh, here's a bill for 14000 I'm like, yeah. well, don't ever fucking ask me for something again. <laughs> it's interesting ever. that happens. Yeah. yeah, but I said that. She said I would never do that. So I, I do things out of the kindness of my heart most of the time. Yeah, I give too much, but that's just how I get down. I like to just share information. I'm not scheming on why or what or whatever, you know. And you know what it is? You could share that information, but it doesn't mean they could do it as exactly. good as you can. No, you know, just because you tell them how to do it, don't mean they're going to get there. You could tell someone the same route in the Baja; they're not going to drive it as well as you. No, you know. I got a different question for you. What? What made you want to do all this charity work? Um, I've been, it's actually funny, a guy about 20 something years ago, I was about 15, he actually just came home, he did more than 10 years in jail, this guy Vinny, uh, somebody I looked up to for a long time, one tough motherfucker, and we were in the city, and he gave someone money outside the Papaya King, the fucking hot dog joint, and he said, you, you, in the Bible, you're obligated to get less fortunate. And he said, you, you're supposed to when people ask you. And it's just part of giving back. And as much as he was one violent lunatic, when it came to bad people, he was really good to good people. you know. And we had just spoke to him before. We're both having daughters. And I just took that and ran with it. And yeah. that was how it started. And I started giving back to different charities and doing things. And then I hooked up with Dan. We started training his kids. And... I train his kids foundation is solely based around giving back to the less fortunate, but the real goal is to give back people affected by drug abuse. Now it's such a broad thing, drug abuse, mm-hmm. you know, so many people in less fortunate areas 
are in one way or another affected by drug abuse, whether it's a mother or an aunt, or what put them in that position, why four kids live in their aunt's house and why they live with their grandmother because the mother is addicted to this and that, but they're going to see it. They're going to see it more than the privileged areas. They don't understand the addiction or the disease, you know, the insecurity that it makes you feel, why you have, why I'm 37 years old, I got all this going on, I still have imposter syndrome, I still feel like a second-class citizen. You know, I still feel like people look at me like I'm a piece of shit from the Bronx, you know what I mean? Um, even though Brian looks at me like that. But <laughs> <laughs> it comes down to Christmas, Thanksgiving, these days will never feel the same. So I'd rather go spend it with other people. I'd rather give back to other people. It's Why? not even those days, though. Like watching you do the back-to-school program for all these yeah. kids. Because everybody remembers stuff around the holidays, but you also do stuff year-round. Yeah. Well, the back-to-school is, this is a hard time for mothers. And I, and I do believe that single mothers in, in this country should deserve everything we give back to. Yeah. If you're a working-aged adult man that can go into the military, you don't deserve shit. No. Straight up and down. Yeah. Figure it the fuck out. You know what I mean? That deserves shit, but if you have mental health or whatever, there's other there's, things. There's, but... there's some pre-existing conditions that can make that a rough route for you. Yeah, for the so most I don't part, want to be if like... you're able-bodied and sound yeah. mind, then you then could you go work in a lumber yard and figure the shit out. Bro. You could work in a lumber yard. You yeah, could, there's you could stuff you can do. Carry sheetrock. You could do anything. You know, I've done all those jobs. But for single mothers that really struggle and they're trying to do the job, I I fucking give my heart out to them. They they are true warriors. You know, and these mothers, when it's time to go back to school. They got kids coming with new shoes, kids coming with fresh haircuts, whatever kids say, school books, this and that. Just giving a kid a haircut, a pair of shoes, backpack full of school supplies that they don't need to buy shows them that somebody else cares and it gets them excited about their first day of school. And it gets them, that means they're going to be excited about their education and they're going to look forward to the first day of school as before that is a party. You know, food, cotton candy, the haircuts, it's fun. Everything that goes into that day is about the excitement to learn that's awesome. and, and go back and and i'll do this for the rest of my life it's amazing yeah it's it's, it's what it's i something care that's so it, it, it's so simple but so important and powerful you know what i mean and, yeah. and it really does make an impact because we associate with that that reward that that system of like oh this this starts this day off and this year off in a great fashion yeah and, and you, you know how you've We've all had our ups and downs, of course, especially doing business and just in life and the struggle. Yeah. No, I come from simple, humble beginnings, so I get yeah. it. And those down days, it's like one little day up, one little day up. It's like when you help somebody try to lose weight or help somebody try to get in shape. It's, it's starting today. A win's a just win. worry about today. Yeah. You know, and you have only have power over today. You know, That's and it. if we give them a good day today, you know, we can't predict what tomorrow's going to bring, but at least they're happy today. You said, you know. Yeah. Put the wheel in motion. Exactly. And like our good friend Dan always says, anyone successful should be doing charity work. Exactly. You have an obligation to give back to the less fortunate, and I truly believe in that. And I do it in the community where Hubble's at. Good. And find a way that, that it is really helping the person that needs the help, too, you know? Yeah. And, you know, charity is a very broad term, but in the way that, that you're presenting it is, is, a great, is a great and needed thing, you know? Yeah, it's not taking money and writing it off for this, doing that. 100% of whatever we get gives back, and I cover the rest. You know, it's yeah. definitely not for a tax thing or anything like that. No, it's to genuinely give yeah, these I, kids a great It makes me happy. Yeah. You know, it it's makes... selfish for me because it makes me happy. Yeah. 
you know, so it's most selfish thing I could do, honestly, because I genuinely enjoy as much as I go crazy, I'm pissed off throwing a setup, I'm nervous, I got this, I'm yelling but at the, volunteers, I've cursed at four people. When you see the kids though, but that, yeah. that line wraps the block. Oh yeah. They they come from everywhere. I see the kids, I yell at them, I chase after them. No, I'm joking about that. But I yell at some of them because they're nuts. Then they come screaming my name and they all want to do the ice bucket challenge. It's been done for five years. They still want to do it. Awesome. So it's you got to so bring annoying. them back. Yeah. They, they all think they're getting $50 to do anything. Cool. You know what I mean? <laughs> and I'm like, it's, but these are kids in a neighborhood that I know. Yeah. But for the rest of their life, they'll know. This guy who didn't look like us, who wasn't Mexican American or wasn't whatever we are, gave a shit. Yeah. And he cared. And, and he didn't have to. But he, he didn't did. have to. And it shows that, you know, it's not race. It's not, there's different distinctions between different things. And it's not, there's different, you cross some boundaries every different way. You know what I mean? You're showing people that it's a human to human thing. Yeah. It has nothing to do with race. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? It has nothing to do, there's a lot of things that have to do with race, but this one doesn't. No. You could help anybody. And you could also look to anybody for help. And just because somebody doesn't look like you, doesn't mean you shouldn't look to them for help because yeah. they are human. Yeah. And that's what I want to teach my daughter and all the kids that come through Trina's kids and go through it. Like, hey, like anybody will help. There are all different types of people show up here to give back. And it's just the interaction with that person. And you give them a little piece of your heart. They carry that for a long time. And they know like that kid with the blue bottle thing. Well, I think that same scenario of the blue bottle thing is the same thing you're doing for everyone else. Yeah. I never even thought about, I never heard it said back to me, but. You yeah, don't know how you affected them, yeah. but you know you did. Yeah. But you've never like really had that conversation with any of them. No. And they've never said it, but you've done it, Vince. Yeah. Nothing needs to be said. I get, yeah, I guess it's accepting. I don't I don't like to accept those type of things in the sense that like, all right, like it's all right. Like the it's okay. I just like, you know, it's not like there's people who want to stand on stage and do this and do that and it's like that's great for them. You know, I feel like almost beneath myself. Uh, Tom Ford gives a speech one time. He said uh, he went to a Jay-Z concert at the Barclays Center, and then the, the song Tom Ford came out, and his name was across the screen. He said, I wanted to crawl under my seat and die. Cause it, but it was like the biggest moment of my life. Like, wow, it is that big. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like a cultural thing, but he couldn't accept, accept it. Accept it. No, you know I get what I mean? It. And I really understand... This is a guy from Albuquerque, New Mexico. Yeah. He grew up in Texas. Mm -hmm. He became the biggest fashion designer in the world. Yeah. You know. It's not, people from his walk of life don't have that life path. No, and I don't he think. He ran Gucci and St. Laurent at the same time. Crazy. Crazy. Unheard of, bro. That's yeah. wild. I yeah. didn't know that. I mean, he built both of those brands into what they are today, basically. Yeah. And literally after the yeah. first St. Laurent runway show, uh, Yves St. Laurent told him, you ruined, it took me 30 years to build my company, you ruined the 15 minutes. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, this guy's well, been getting knocked down. But us in America know what St. Laurent is in certain in certain walks of life and is a popular household name because of the direction that, that yeah, Tom took. Ford, that a, a, a Yankee, not only a Yankee, but a dude from, from Texas or New Mexico yeah. took the, you know what I mean? Came in and changed It's like the game. sacrilege to a French designer, a French Italian designer. It's like, ah, are you yeah. kidding me? <laughs> and you know what's funny? There's so many, everybody looks at this like, this is this culture. This is this. This is just fashion. No, there's so much that go into it. Yeah. You know, like Coco Chanel, Gabrielle Chanel. I love Chanel because of her story, mm -hmm. if you know about it. And every piece, everything that she did was, 
attributed to a portion of her life from the orphanage to this and that. You know, I mean, she nicknamed herself Coco and told people that that was a name her father gave her as a sign of endearment, even though she didn't have a father. She grew up in the orphanage. Wow. She lied to people. I didn't know that. You know, and she kept that name forever till I think she died in the late 70s, early 80s and ended up worked until her death and was truly in love with what she did. And it's like she built this timeless brand that women... It, it gains value. Yeah, this is a girl from an orphanage. Vintage piece. Oh, yeah, all the Chanel stuff. Like, Her first husband died in a car accident. You know what I mean? Her first love of her life died at 20-something in a car accident. Definitely didn't have the easiest life. You know, people could interpret that different ways, but definitely had a lot of heartbreak. And women aspire to wear a Chanel bag to feel they're at the pinnacle of being a woman, to wear her name, and she's from an orphanage. They don't even know. And they don't even know. You know what I mean? And that's what, what it took to get there to be that. Yeah, and that should tell a story to all the kids in foster care, all the kids in yeah. orphanages, all the kids from poverty today. Like, if you just shut the fuck up, don't victimize yourself and work. It doesn't you matter what you want to do. You 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 are gonna outwork everybody. Well, else. It's just like what Joey told us last week, Joey Carson. What do you say? He's like, keep putting your hand up saying, yes, I'll do it. Yeah. You'll become successful. Exactly. It's that like, simple. Just Life like, has greater plans for us than we can imagine. Yeah. It really saying does. yes and showing up is, is half of it, you know? Yeah. And then having an open heart and, and a strong work ethic can, can take you the rest of the way, you know? All the way. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's, a, it's a beautiful thing. And it's cool to, like, empower people that come... You know, come from from troubled beginnings to 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 know that it it's interesting that a lot of people think that you know success comes from money or old money, and most of the time, I think there's a statistic out there. I'm not sure exactly what it is, but the majority of of, of fortunes are built first generation. You know, and that people don't understand that money doesn't really travel generations well, and that a lot of these these you know upper high class brands actually have super humble beginnings and just you know ended up being something different because of one person's vision and journey you know yeah and it, it's in, do you know and it should be empowering to to everybody to know that that it you know it's 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 doable yeah it's ralph and runs from the bronx yeah Calvin Klein's from the bronx uh the other what's his name I'll think of his name, but uh, did you ever, you know who the producer is, Jerry Weintraut? Mm-hmm. You know who Jerry Weintraut is? He produced Ocean Eleven. He took mm-hmm. Elvis on a national tour. He took Sinatra on his yeah. first national tour. This guy did everything. Incredible. From the Bronx. And he said in his book, unless you're from Brooklyn or Bronx or some area, it's very hard for me to trust you. Not not from New York, but from a like an underprivileged area, I don't really think you're going to work. And this guy did everything. Never gave up. He called the colonel for four months to try to get Elvis to go on tour. And the colonel finally told him, stop calling me. He goes, I owe out a lot of favors and you ain't one of them. And there's a long list of people I need to take care of besides this fucking nobody from the Bronx. And finally convinced him, <laughs> let me take Elvis on tour. He said, show up with a check in Vegas. You got 24 hours to get here with a check for a million dollars. This was in Elvis's time. Yeah. And he pulled it off. Called everybody, begged bar on a seal, got someone to invest showed up and he said I can't believe you were able to pull it off he goes I was just kidding but let's do it yeah and he convinced him to let them take Elvis on tour and it's it's a great story you yeah. know what I mean a lot of these stories like you don't really know what these people come from you know this is a guy who sat you know the president fell asleep on his couch you know 
he's, he became friends with everybody and he was from the streets in New York, you know, grew up broke. Well, a lot of these people grew up like that. And Ray Dalio punched his first boss in the face in finance and got fired and thought that his life was over in finance and then opened Bridgewater, which was one of the biggest hedge funds in the world. Wrote one of the best business books of all time, Principles. You know, and it's, if people believe that they can't do it, they won't do it because they're just, that's what they believe. Yeah. You know, but it doesn't matter where you're from. You should look at it as upper hand to say, my grit will actually get me noticed. 100%. It's an advantage. Yeah. Yeah. It's and an that's advantage people don't people. know. It's it's hard. Uh, I've seen in personal relationships that coming from a position of having a safety net tends to be troubling for people, bro, because it makes them not have the drive to to just get out and get it. You know, I didn't have a choice. Like I've been on my own since I was 15, 16 years old. Before my mom's job was taking my ass around on auditions and whatever little work she was doing in between while she was raising other kids, you know what I mean? Yeah. But I was the job, I was working. So I had no choice but to, to just figure it the fuck out, bro. Nobody's, nobody was gonna be there to do it for me. And I've yeah. obviously had plenty of helping hands, but it's all been because I was able to just keep going, bro. Work through it, find an edge, find an angle, be optimistic about it and keep, and keep grinding, you know? What do you think it was like growing up with that stardom from a young age you know it's interesting because with the success i had and i worked a ton bro and i was around a lot of cool people um it was before the social media era so i had a pretty simple i still had a pretty you know regular childhood outside of the working and and being on set and and not having a like, you know, I want to go hang out with my friends after school. Like, no, nah, you got to be at Fox over here and then to a commercial audition and then over here changing in the car. You know what I mean? Driving around L.A. I'm probably making bottles for my little brother, fucking giving him a bottle in the back seat. So it was yeah. all work. But uh, the one thing I do take with it is is that um, it was an interesting time in the industry because I grew up on set. And I didn't have a traditional education of going to school, but I had the education of being around very successful, very hyper-talented people in all different walks of life, from grips to cameramen to producers to finance guys to directors. And because I was working with them, I got to stand even as a child with great men and women. And uh, they treated me not like a child, like shut up kid or, you know, they treat you like they answer your questions or give you the time of day. So I had a different type of education in that way. And I think it served me well from, from that point. I feel like something like that could either entitle somebody or well, make It could go them, either way. Yeah. Yes. You know. It definitely humbled me. I understood where I come from. I, you know, I was born in a little small town outside of Pittsburgh. My dad's a carpenter, master carpenter. He ended up in Dallas. Uh, for work, we came down and met them there. That's where I started acting. So I come from from humble beginnings. Guys that are from fucking New Brighton don't leave New Brighton where we're from. You know what I mean? Yeah. They're all still back there. Nobody left. They're you know, they get drunk. They they get in bar fights. They hang out. They go to work. They clock in. They go home. They have kids. You know, they go to church. Whatever. It's a pretty simple life. Nobody ends up in L.A. being an actor or being in a cannabis business or you know doing things like this. It doesn't really happen. So. I understand that my life took a, a sharp a sharp turn, but you know, half of it was just showing up and being there and, and having that, you know, chance happened and, and we were there to to 
to take it and and see what it, see what could come from it. You know, it's 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 just like the Bronx. We talked about Bronx style before. In the beginning of the movie, I don't remember the opening scene. He said, "You know, you can get to any borough within 15 minutes of here, but they might as well be 3,000 miles away." Nobody goes. You don't leave. No. You know, you stay in the Bronx. All you care about is that you care about being a superstar in the neighborhood, and mm-hmm. looking up to Jordan and Kobe. The center, that was real. But what was real was looking up the gangsters, mm-hmm. looking up the street guys, looking yeah. up the guys who got respect, walk tall. I mean, the guy could be five foot six, but he might as well be ten it's feet tall. Giant, bro. Yeah. You know, and and that movie, as a movie that, if a barometer of truth was how you judge the, I guess, uh, validity of a movie, it was ten out of ten on point with how you grew up, that methodology, that thinking. Mm-hmm. Nothing else really matters. You know, his scene in the car when he gets picked up to go do the thing with the cocktail with the Malt- with the Malt- Malt- cocktails. Yeah. And he had to act like he doesn't give a fuck. That's exactly the way you feel. It's exactly what you think you've been in that car. You've done it. if you're in the street and you're a pretty cool guy, you've been around people and it's almost insane the things that you're okay around and the things that you're what you go to do. It's like I think back now, like I couldn't imagine a kid Doing things I did no, at the age did I did it, yeah. You know, it's it's almost insane. And those stories, like when he says, when they all they die, all the kids die at the end. It's just another Bronx tale. They, they just told a story about the guy before he just came home. He just did more than ten years. Yeah, you know I mean, and it was bullshit that he went to jail yeah. for. He just got cracked. You know what I mean? And it was like he's not a bad guy at all. You know, if you cross him, yeah, but he's not. He's a good dude. His mother's the best person in the world. You know what I mean? Literally, like. Dad's great, and it just—that's the circumstance, mm-hmm. you know. But nobody gives a fuck. No, they don't care, and that's life. One more story. Yeah, that's one more story that you're talking about. And for yeah. ten years, might as well have been a hundred for him. He's just the same for somebody else. Yeah, you know what I mean. And it, all these kids going through it—they're not all going to make it out. They're not all going to be successful. But if you don't fucking try, you ain't never got a chance. You know, it doesn't mean at least you could get further than you are now if you try. No matter what, you're going to make a step forward. It's like if you if you go to the gym tonight, it doesn't matter. You may not be jacked tomorrow. You may be a little better off. You know what I mean? And if you go every day for six months, you'll be a little better than you were. Six months ago. Yeah. And no matter what you do, you're going to be in a little better position. You got to move forward. Yeah. And spotting that ambition is how you hire new people. It's how you choose this is going to be in your life. This is who I'm going to invest time into. And, and those little things from a business perspective are like, it's fucking hard. It really is. But you got to understand personality. You're a therapist. You're a mental health clinic fucking professional. you all these things other than business. I told this girl, I asked me a question at work one time, something about her boyfriend. And it was such a wild question. I just looked at it. I said, I'm not qualified to answer these questions. <laughs> and this was about eight years ago. And I would have had a different answer today. And she said, what does that mean? I said, because I live in fucking reality. I said, I'm going to drive to get coffee. I said, but I think that you may get on a broom and fly that. And that was my answer then because it was so ridiculous to me that I was trying to convey to her how ridiculous I thought it sounded. And she started to cry. And that wasn't my intention. <laughs> but, <laughs> but it happens. But it happened. I said, listen, you got to accept reality. This is why your HR team said you're not allowed to talk to employees. Yeah, which it, it's it's funny now. It, my HR loves me, but 
because I've really changed a lot who I am. But you don't realize sometimes you may discourage somebody. You may mean to empower them and the intention is yeah. there, but you end up fucking discouraging them. When someone like us, all of us have been through it. You know what I mean? And I like hearing the bad stuff. I like getting told. Like Jay-Z, I posted something Jay-Z said a while ago. He's like, I want to be held accountable. I want you to tell me what I'm doing wrong. Yeah. Like if, if you're not holding me accountable, what the fuck I need you around no me No growth, bro. Yeah. yeah. I don't need a yes man around me. I want people to be like, oh, that was a little ridiculous. Yeah. Or a little yeah. off. Shouldn't have said that. pocket. Yeah. I yep. need that. Yeah. Keep me, in, keep me in check, bro. Yeah. But not everybody wants the journey. No. Not everybody wants to race the Baja 1000. People nope. want to run in the desert. They want to go play around in the dirt. But do they really want to race it? No, it's a commitment. Yeah. You got to piss in a tube. Yeah. Yeah, or piss. Crash in the dark. Oh, that sucked. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 life. It's real. That's the real deal, you know? And your yeah. life's on the line. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, are you willing? To, when you told me the story, you rolling off the cliff. I said, wow. I thought this guy was soft as baby shit. <laughs> <laughs> I said that. Hey, I said, wow, I, I knew you were a badass dude. And I, when you started to tell me the story, I said, man, like, he did a lot. He did a lot of things mm -hmm. to the extreme level and had a certain level of respect and didn't pretend to do it. You know yeah. what I mean? It wasn't somebody who pretended to do it. No, that's not pretending. Yeah. That's not the race that you pretend on. Yeah. That's, I, that's life or death, bro. You're out in the middle of nowhere in, in Mexico. Unfortunately, my first year racing in Mexico, I saw two guys die my first weekend out there. Yeah. And... Definitely eye-opening experience. I mean, you're there. That could have been you. Yeah, it was 117 degrees outside. Two guys died of heat stroke on motorcycles. Jesus. Oh, just dropped dead? Just dropped dead. Damn. Just think, at least I have a roof, like, blocking it. Like, there's air coming in, so I'm a little cooler. But on a motorcycle, bro, it's just caking you the whole time. Damn. Yeah, it's wild. And it's funny, those... But if you, you've seen Ford vs. Ferrari? Yep. I haven't seen it yet, no. I'm gonna watch it. Yeah. I did. It's 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 a great great movie, and it's actually funny. I watched it when I was at like a kind of depressing point in my life, like say after my father passed. I watched it laying on the floor in my closet, just being transparent about where I watched it on my computer. You know what I mean? And I was like, it, it talks about pushing to the limit all the yeah. time. And who could survive at that seven thousand RPMs all the time? And, and having a balance with the car and that was real races and you may be considered crazy everywhere else and you may be a complete outcast but when it comes to being pushed to the limit when it comes to doing exceptional shit you're the one who's going to shine and accepting that I may walk through the grocery store like a ghost that no one else in here understands me and knows what I'm going through or what it is but when it's time to race I show up I'm the guy you want in the car yeah, you know I mean, and that's the business guy. That's the business guy or girl. That's the leader. That's the person who's going to push it. That's the person who's going to continue to keep moving forward. And that's the person you're going to look for. Because if you invest into them, even if they do something great that you may not make any financial gain off of later on in life, you could sit back and say, at least I played a part in that. That's it. I was part, part of, of that journey. journey. Yeah. I was with them for 10 miles out of that ride. Yeah. You know, that was my co-pilot for that 10 miles. That story is priceless. The memory of it is, is you know can't put a value on that yeah and it's listen there's you could have 100 dinners at craig's red carpets this that all these things cool clothes whatever but it is the story it is a journey and it's like winning a lotto winning a lotto is whack 
I mean, it would be fucking great if it happened to all of us. <laughs> you know <what> I, mean? <laughs> I would love to win the lot. It will flip it. Of course. And take but, that money. We have the business mentality. The average person yeah. that wins, I think there's some crazy statistic, like over 90% of them end up beyond broke after. Yeah, yeah it's a, it's definitely, there's all those uh, documentaries about it being a curse, actually, of like it just spiraling people's lives out of control. I wish that was the curse I got, not the yeah. other terrible childhood curse but <laughs> i'll take that curse tomorrow <laughs> yeah it's uh the adventure is the part though you know i try to stay focused on that and know that you know during the struggle and the turmoil and the market up and down and this and that to know that being able to survive and know that you can be nimble and lean and that i'm still going to go to work every day and do shit myself is what what drives me forward to see that the successes are are warranted, you know? And it's yeah. cool to have people not know about you and to find things out about Brian's story or, or some project I did before or a, a company that I'm familiar with that you helped build, you know what I mean? It's like, it's cool to, to, to know that there's a, there's a story to tell about an adventure that somebody took that, uh, that ended in a certain way. It, it, it's awesome. Yeah, it's just like shoe dog. Like, why they name the Nike? Mm -hmm. That last minute knee jerk reaction to just fucking name a Nike. I mean, we have to make a label because <laughs> these guys in Mexico are calling us, wanting to know what are we printing, what are we printing, you know? And it's like to know that everyone's wearing that on their chest. That's it. That at some point, everyone that of moment us... was more powerful than all the thought that went up to it. You know? Like, yeah, all that magic that sprinkled around that moment then went out into the world and yeah. eventually sprinkled over to everybody in the world at some point probably has some nike product on them oh yeah so you've oh, been yeah. counterfeited uh, knocked off this yeah. or that i probably got 30 pairs of nikes sitting at home i mean i don't even wear nikes too much anymore and i still still got them. and i still have them you know what i mean yeah and it's still been a big part of my life i had every jordan every jordan and every colorway from like four on originally and then and and then you know back catalog and done it again and then yep. left them and got back into them at some point you know yeah the Air Maxes, the Air Force Ones, the Cortez, a million different silhouettes that have changed fashion culture, moved things forward. Moved everything. Mm -hmm. And this quirky guy that wears big cowboy hats and like strange dude was the one who did it all, you yeah. know? And his story was great. You know, and he, he went through his struggles. His son lost his son. A lot of other things that happened, you know what I mean? And a lot of struggles. And But that that is reality. You can't, buy your way out of the struggles of life it is gonna hit you and and for some kids it's less fortunate that it happens at such a young age yeah. and they have to go through it before they're developed you know what i mean but later on in life they're almost more fortunate because they already know what a hard time is yeah and they're not gonna cry about it or deal with it it's like i said all the time i said i've buried my family i've lost i've become from nothing trust me i got nothing to lose i'm all right I'll sign a personal guarantee for all this. What the <laughs> fuck else is going to happen in my life? You know yeah. what I mean? Why not? Because I'm going to bet on me. I ride with me. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I ride with the people who ride with me. And if more people had that mentality, it would be a lot more competitive. You know, if you only got to run a seven-minute mile to win a race, you're never going to really run much faster. But if every single time you're competing with people who are faster and faster and more people show up to beat you, then it forces you to level up. And you may only ever get to a 605 mile or a sub six mile, but at least you know what your limit was. You may not always be a winner, but you knew you went all the way. You pushed it all the way. And for the moment, it may sting that somebody else beat you, 
But later on in life, you'll accept, well, at least I went to my limit. This was the max I was able to do. And I went there. You know, and people don't think like that, I think, nowadays. Well, most people. Yeah. There's still a few left, but for the most part, you're right. It's a different time. Yeah. It's a... We're in a weird... um, A weird climate. And the social thing is a little bit different now, you know? Yeah. I think that we need to incentivize winners and competitors and, uh, and, uh, you know... Put that competition back on the map, you know. Yeah, it's it is. drives the industry anyway. It's getting stale, and it's because there's there's nobody trying to do something different, you know. Yeah, it's it was striving for mediocrity now. Everybody gets a trophy. Everybody gets this and, participation uh, award. Yeah, I was at a Gold Gloves event about six years ago in New York. My friend of mine was fighting in it, uh, and my other friend just had a son. And I was like, yo, you gonna put him in boxing? He's like, oh, bro, it's like a little rough. I was like, what? He's like, not the fighting. He's like, yo, you, you get a lot of disappointment. Like, you have to accept losing. I said, that's life, homie. That's life. Figure it out fast. Like, he's gonna go in there before he's even fully developed, knowing I have to win. I am striving to win. There's a winner and there's a loser coming out of that ring. And it's not second place. It's not third place. It's not. I also get a trophy. Who gives a shit about the second place trophy in boxing? Because you're fucking lost. You know what I mean? <laughs> At the end of the day is you're going to go in there and say, I'm giving my all right now. I have three minutes at a time to give my all and to do everything I got to do. You know, for little kids, I think that's, a, that's the healthiest competition there could be. Yeah. Because they're going to go all out. That's it. All out. And that's, that's not even valued anymore, you know? You're going to put your daughter in boxing? Definitely jiu-jitsu. Definitely jiu-jitsu. My son just started. He digs it. Jiu-jitsu? Yeah, he started. He's, he's, uh, he's four and he... Uh, he just started taking classes, so he got his first stripe. He's stoked. Oh, that's great. Yeah, yeah it's good. Um, it's a good base for them. They have a lot of fun. Yeah. And it builds a certain <laughs> level of confidence, too. Like, you 100%. Know. Yep. Just so- being comfortable being held down or, or in a bad position and, and that. You know, I wish we would have had more of that and less karate growing up for me as well, you know? Yeah. Um, these kids are definitely more well-suited to handle bullies in different situations, size dis- size disadvantages and things of that nature. Yeah. There's a lot more uh, uh, technique and skill and, and oh. stuff out there these days. Jiu-jitsu is way better. Because oh, I yeah. took, I got my black belt in karate. All right, I can throw a punch, but it always ends up on the ground or wrestling. Yeah, it's a little bit different, you know? Yeah, yeah. I see these kids, these kids get bullied and then grab them and choke them out or toss them end up on top of them and feel comfortable you know yeah. i've seen a couple videos like that and it makes me feel good about it i'm like that's good bro it's different you know these little scrappy kids that know how to avoid getting hurt too they have a they walk through life a different level of confidence and it's not an ego confidence because you keep them in, when you keep them in a, in a trained setting a martial arts setting like that they they get humbled very fast because here's the problem is you may be the toughest guy in school now you know jiu-jitsu but there is always somebody in oh, that yeah. fucking place that can kick your ass mm-hmm. and it's the same thing with boxing you could be the coolest good best amateur in the gym blah, blah, but at some point you're going to spar a lot of pros and they're going to wash you like you're going to end know. up on the canvas yeah it'll you, make it look like you're standing still it's a different level they will outlast you so this. fast yeah. yeah and and that that type of training shows you the levels so you do walk through life because you and then you really don't know who is this other kid who's that who's this let me just be cool you know I know I can defend myself I'm confident but I'm cool I don't have I to know. be. I don't have to be out of pocket trying to, yeah. trying to be the guy. You know. Every time I'm in a road rage situation with somebody, I'm like, "This is the guy that's gonna stab me. This is the guy that's gonna <laughs> shoot me." That's it, bro. And I'm like, "This ain't worth it." No, it's not. No. 
Yeah. Yeah, it's it's tough. You know, we get we get heated fast, but but definitely, yeah, it's definitely not worth it. We got we got much more to much more to give the world than to let it go on some some dumb shit. Which yeah. seems to be the case more and more these days. It's it's very sad, you know. But th- those people who are given into those momentary reactions aren't happy with themselves. No. I feel like, and they have something to prove to themselves. Yeah. If you go with yourself, you don't get no points for fighting a stranger. You know what I mean? You don't get no points for for doing. You get into a fight with a stranger, even if two guys get out of the car and you have a fight on Magnolia Boulevard, and nobody sees and you battle royale in the street, beat both of them up in this and that. Nobody even seen it. Then what? You, you, you have nothing. You didn't even help your reputation. No. Yeah, I mean, it's not Might like you. Not the case. Yeah, you're not like you're 17 in the Bronx and you, you got to do it. Then everybody's talking about it. Yeah. And then girls like you a little more. And it's that. Then, it, then it's like back then. But that's done. It's done. That 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 era is done. There's no more tough guys. You don't have to be a tough guy. You know, like I looked up to all these guys who were the toughest guys in my neighborhood, and I thought like, oh, they that's who I'd want to be like. That's who would want to do this type of things. And it was such a bad mentality. How did it fare them for the most part? Well, my other friend that I looked up to just came home. You yeah. Know I mean? <laughs> yeah. And, you know, as much as you hear these jail stories and you glorify these jail stories, like, it's not cool. No. None of that stuff is cool. No. You know, it's, it's a waste. It's a waste. Such a waste. Yeah. Fighting a waste with a of fucking talent. stranger. It's a yeah. waste of intelligence. It's a waste of, waste of time. A waste of time. Yeah. It's the biggest waste of time, and that's the only thing you got. Yeah. Is those those moments. I had a girl works for me, and we were going to do um, this big thing on Friday, cut down day somewhere else, and I was going to bring them in to help with a bunch of stuff. And she was like, oh, Vince, it's my mother's birthday on Friday. I was taking her breakfast. I said, don't worry about it. Go. It's Mother's Day right after that. Go hang out with your mom. Because I don't have the luxury anymore, so I'm not going to hold you back. This yeah. day, this day in work, this Saturday, you know, this Monday, we could always figure it out. You know, it's not necessary. That was just a day I arbitrarily planned. Go hang out with your mom. I'll pivot for that, you know, because you never know. Those days aren't going to be promised. Not saying go fucking hang out with your mom every single day and don't go to work because you're just a fucking loser. You know what I mean? But, <laughs> but, but ultimately, you got to be present and confident in who you are. And when you're confident in who you are, it's very easy to be present. You know, when you're trained, you, you know what you're doing, you could defend yourself, you could last in a harsh world, you're willing to take the risk. You're willing yeah. to do certain things. And you could be present. You could sit with your daughter, we could hang out on the couch, go barbecue, and just shoot the shit and authentically hang out knowing who we are, and you don't gotta lie about it. You don't gotta lie about who you are. You know? And that's, to me, the fundamental aspects of the characteristic that lead to a successful person, you know, of being authentic and being able to be that type of person. Yeah. Yeah. Um, where can people find you at in the businesses? Anything you want to, you want to plug social? Uh, my IG is Vince Ritchie, R-I-C-C-I. Well, at Vince Ritchie, um, F Hubble, Balance, Komodo, Although the brands are all tied to my Instagram, you can see yeah, it. We didn't talk about Balance, but you also have a cannabis line. Yeah. Balance Cannabis. It's a lifestyle yep. brand. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. I actually started Balance after my mother passed um, because I gave her edibles when she had cancer. And she was sober for a long time, for 20-something years. Well, 30 years, actually. And she didn't want to do anything. And I got her sugar-free edibles that a friend of mine made. 
and I seen how much of a different it meant, difference it made, and then realizing how much cannabis, as opposed to an opiate, yeah. could really help. Especially pain management, certain oh, conditions. Unbelievable. Night and day difference. And in I, their demeanor, in their health, the way they want to eat, sleep, these things, you know? Yeah, everything. Yeah. And I looked at it and said, let's create a product that women will reach for. Let's create a product that represents like Chanel or something else that's clean, that's easy, legit, digestible, that people will feel okay grabbing because it seems trustworthy. Mm-hmm. And I said, if I don't do it now, I'll regret it for the rest of my life. And that's why I wanted to go into the that end of the cannabis market, you know? The operation side is what I'm good at. The other side is what I'm good at. But that side of, of marketing, and it's not just marketing to women. But, yeah. you know, I, I do believe strong women really do run the world because men do everything to receive attention from, from other women. strong women. Yeah. You know, as much as no guy, nobody cares. I don't get Say dressed. And, I don't get dressed so Brian looks at me good. No. You know what I mean? <laughs> Even though he does. But, you know what I mean? <laughs> you do things because you want to get a good reaction out of women. Yeah, everything we do is for that. Yeah, and to take care of them, to make them feel safe, Yeah, to feel accepted by women. They they run the world. Mm-hmm. That's what I believe in. So you cater towards women, and then guys will buy it too. Yeah. You know? We would, guys will pretty much buy anything that someone else says is okay. Yeah, you that's know? true. And it's I very that. slept on part of the market. It's definitely forgot about in this in this space. 100%. Yeah. Oh, 100%. And it's, it's you know, it's half the population. And they're all cannabis users as well. Yeah. And they want somebody that they can feel like is representing them or that is thinking about them. You know, it's definitely an underlooked. You know, it's it's forgotten about in the cannabis culture. Yeah. You know what I mean? Is that they're almost, you know, people aren't really. It's, it's a very male-driven Oh, uh-huh. yeah. But I think that, you know, any all these misogynistic type of industries are going to kind of go to the wayside now. And, you know, I don't believe in quotas. I don't believe in filling a quota based on guy, girl, or race. I mm-hmm. feel like the best for the job. But there are a lot of strong woman leaders oh, that yeah. are, are really prevailing today. And that I, I most of the high-level people that are around me are all women yeah. that I really rely on. Yeah, you see that, and you find that. Yeah. yeah, I was raised by a strong woman, you know. My mom had her ups and downs, but I'm definitely the man I am today because she, you know, you know, made me strong and, and smart and put the fear of God in me, if nothing else. No. Yeah. <laughs> I was definitely afraid of my mother forever. She was a scrapper, bro. All my yeah. friends were scared of her. My dad was a my dad was a Golden Gloves champ in Pittsburgh. Oh, really? He lost, he lost two... He lost two amateur fights ever, and the dude that he lost the fight to went went twelve rounds with Hagler. And uh, what was his name? My dad. Yeah. Chauncey. He's, he's the Chauncey. same name. Chauncey Leopardia. Um, so he's a Golden Glove champ. The only person, white guy, only person to ever make him bleed in the fight was my mom. Really? Yeah. He was in a bar talking to some chick, and she came and tapped him on the shoulder and popped him, broke his nose. Wow. <laughs> yeah. She was. Damn. She's a. You know, she's a handful, but she's a good woman. That's crazy. You, you're Italian. Yeah. You're fully Italian. Uh, no, half. My dad's Italian. My mom's uh, Irish. Yeah. All right. My my wife's Irish, and I'm fully Italian. She's fully Irish. Yeah. So my daughter will be half Irish. Half there you Italian. go. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's a good mix. Yeah. A lot it's of a good mix. There. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> Trust me. Between me and my wife. Forget good luck, about Vince. It. Yeah. What? Good luck. I know. Literally, I'm gonna be calling you for advice on raising a good daughter. Yeah, you'll yeah, do all right. You'll be fine. You got a, You got a good skill set and a good mindset behind things. I think. Thank you. Be, you. You'll you'll add to the to the uh to the world greatly yeah thank you i appreciate that 
Um, anything you want to leave the people with out there, uh, words of wisdom or just, uh, you know, anything in, in general? Uh, I think uh, understanding that you're not going to know most of the things you know tomorrow, you're not going to know today, and, and leaning into the people that you look to uh, to help you, listening to you guys on the podcast, listen to other people, and I think that, you know, I admire you guys, and I'm honored to be come on the podcast and talk, but uh, you really got to learn when to be vulnerable and lead into people and, and listen to somebody, and there's, there's people who I may respect not respect a lot of things about them, but I respect one thing they do well, and I listen to that, and then I take the best of multiple people around me, and I am the product of all the people that influence me. But be careful who you let influence you, but learn when to lean in and say, you know, are you just an influencer that does cool stuff and I want to listen to you? No, but are you insightful? Are you authentic? Are you really giving me good advice? Are you really giving the world good advice? Lean into that. And then and let yourself be led. Don't always be so egotistical to say, I know everything, I know everything. And that was a, probably the best thing I did in, in moving forward was trusting other people and knowing who to trust. You know, And I think that's probably the easiest way to evolve and move forward. That's great. Yeah. I, uh, I feel the same way. I feel like uh, everybody in every walk of life has something of value or something that we can learn from them, you know, as long as we have an open heart and an open mind when when we see when we see them you know it's 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 a we sell people short from yeah. different walks of life a little too easily sometimes and there's there's lessons all around us yeah that's a great way of putting it yeah yeah brian anything left you want to add any questions we missed i think we covered it all right well go ahead wrap it up all right thank you for joining on another episode like comment subscribe see you guys on the next one